We are ready to go, y'all. We're in Luke 22. I'm going to go ahead and encourage you to go there. We're going to spend a few minutes, a few moments uh, reading through Scripture. and We may read through the remainder of the book of Luke. And then after that, we're going to reflect on the text. We're going to ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? First question. Second question. God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? Let's get right to it. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we gather together, Lord, to read your word. Father, for those who are attending live or for those who will listen to this later in our Patreon community or for those who may be listening to it later on the podcast, we ask that you would uh, meet us today, Lord, that you would inspire us by your Holy Spirit as we read your word. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would reveal your heart, your will to us, Lord, allow it to do something in us. Allow our time in our word today to do something in our heart. And we ask that you would bless each and every person right now. Lord, that it would do a good work in each and every one of us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 22, verse, whoops. Luke 22, verse 1, and it says this. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So when they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will Meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them with, fervent desire. I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until the kingdom, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, he says, likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the son of man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. 
Then they began to question amongst themselves, which of them was who would do this thing? Now, there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you on the contrary. He who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves for who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves. Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I'm among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Hmm. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Oh, Peter. <laughs> then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I say to you without, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this, which is written must be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and the disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed saying, father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then the angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. 
Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. After a little while, another saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, This fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him and having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him saying, prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blaspheme, blasphemously spoke against him. As soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes came together and led him into their council saying, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then they all said, Are you then the Son of God? So he said to them, You rightly say that I am. And they said, What further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Chapter 23. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. For they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Ju from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he had belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him. And he hoped to see some miracle done by him, then he, then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod with his men of war treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other for previously they had been at enmity with each other. Then Pilate, when he had been when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, "You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things which you accuse him. 
No, neither did Herod, for I sent him back, sent you back to him. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Then they began to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and they cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. <laughs> then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God? seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour and the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. 
And when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that side, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to, the, to, to their decision indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of a rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. And they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Let's finish up the book of Luke. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the, sto the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb, told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles and their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling at himself at what happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And they said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? The one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they answered to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, Today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, 
they came saying that they had seen the vision of angels who said he was alive. And a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he broke bread, that he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathering together saying, the Lord is in, risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. And they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and sorry, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? And they gave him a piece of boiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you, which was still with you, that all things must be, must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass when he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. So when we read the gospel of Luke, let's be reminded that Luke is writing this gospel, the good news of Jesus. He's writing it to Theophilus. 
And while we're not entirely sure if Theophilus is a person or if Theophilus is just a representative person, that is, he's talking to a specific type of person, a specific audience, if you will. Luke writes this, and of course, Luke, uh, Luke goes through meticulous detail on a lot of parts of the story of the ministry and life of Jesus. But then when we get here in the passion of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, there's so many stories here, so many things to see here, so many things to unpack. The dynamic between the disciples and Jesus, that's something that, man, we gotta, we gotta talk through that. <clears throat> the dynamic between the uh, Herod and Pilate and Jesus, how these two men were once enemies. And then of course, upon seeing the innocence of Jesus and to see a whole community rally up against him, brought them together. Jesus has a way of bringing enemies together. And so we see how the dynamic between Herod and Pilate changed upon addressing whether or not to convict and to crucify Jesus. Of course, both of them came to an agreement that Jesus wasn't to be crucified. But under the political pressure, they, of course, Pilate, more specifically, after Herod had sent him back, chose for Jesus to be crucified. And then you have the, <clears throat> the men on the cross who were suffering their last few hours. Sorry, my throat. Give me a second. <clears throat> who were suffering their last few hours for the crimes that they committed. And between them was Jesus. And so these two soldiers who were guilty, who were criminals, who were dying on across themselves, were dying along with a man who was innocent. And they knew who he was. And the reason why they knew he was simply because of the interaction that he had with them. So we knew. And I think what's really beautiful about the story is we see the salvific work that Jesus is doing even as he's dying on the cross. We had one criminal who asked to be delivered and then we had another criminal who acknowledged his sin. And even though he had acknowledged his sin, he asked Jesus, will you remember me? And of course, Jesus responds to him and says to him, this day you will be with me in paradise. All that is to say that when folks say, well, you know, baptism is required for salvation. Or they'll say, you've got to go through a certain amount of teaching and instruction in order to be saved. Or they're going to tell you that you have to be part of a certain denomination or belief system in order to be saved. I always draw their attention to this particular portion of text. Because here we see two men who are condemned. Two men. Condemned for the crimes that they committed. And even though 
they're dying on the cross, one in the midst of their condemnation pridefully asks just to be delivered. And while the other acknowledges a sin and asks for him to remember him. I think it's really important here to point this out because it really speaks into how many people see Jesus today, both in and out of the church. We often want, and this is where really Luke is leading us towards. If you just allow me just a few minutes, really just begin to this. Is what Luke is really speaking into is how within the story of Jesus and the grander picture of what Jesus is doing for all of humanity in dying on the cross, there are the subplots within the plot and the continuity, the least common denominator in many of these. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, my throat is going crazy today. <clears throat> the continuity in many of these subplots is that there are people who have faced and are confronted with making a choice. Peter was confronted with making a choice. We see Peter versus Judas. We see Jesus versus Barabbas. We see the two soldiers. And standing in, the, in between all of this is the work that Christ is doing. When we look at the parable, not the parable, but the story of the soldiers, how they mocked him, they offered him sour wine, and then they put an epitaph on his cross saying, you are the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. Funny how they wrote it in the languages of most of the world in that time, most of the modern world in that time. Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Nobody could miss it. This is the king of the Jews. But then you have this soldier who sees the epitaph, who sees what's written there, who sees Jesus dying on a cross, sees himself in the same predicament as Jesus. And says to him, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. I want you to pay attention to this. And this is really where I want to lead you today. <clears throat> is how do you, and this is just a challenge for those of you who are attending with me live, for those of you who will watch this later. Here's a challenge. How do you see Jesus? Like, how do you see Jesus? Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Let, let, let's just, let's, let's take the big picture and let's bring it to a microscope for a second. Because I see two people here. One who wants to see Jesus perform salvation for them in the midst of their condemnation and one who acknowledges him and simply asks him to be with him. The one criminal says, Jesus, save me. The other criminal says, 
Jesus, remember me. One criminal who is condemned and knows what he did was wrong, asks for the penalty of his sin and his mistakes to simply be removed without even acknowledging it, just wants to be absolved from the choices and the decisions that he has made. Another acknowledges the guilt and says we have received due reward for our deeds and acknowledges his innocence and simply says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Two men condemned, two different postures. Two men condemned, two different approaches. Two men who are condemned and two men who see Jesus in two different ways. One says, remove the consequence. The other says, remember me. I hope you guys see where I'm going with this today. Because in the church today, we are looking, we have people, right? The high, you could call it the hyper grace culture in the church that simply wants to know whether or not they'll get into heaven. That's all they care about. They, 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 don't, they don't care about acknowledging what they have done, the mistakes that they've made, right? The consequences, the due consequences of their mistakes. As a matter of fact, I've had people who say, I'm still inherently a good person. Like I'm, I'm a good person. I hear that all the time. I'm a good person. No, no, but you've made mistakes though, right? You've hurt people. You've committed sins. You know you have, but you know, I'm, I'm still a good person. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a bad person now. Since when was being a good person, what gave you access to heaven? When was being a good person, the metric for holiness? And who really gets to define what is good and what is bad? What is even good? This man does not acknowledge the mistakes that he made. As a matter of fact, he's probably proud because you have to understand crucifixions were very public crimes. Uh, sorry, very public, um, um, uh, what's the word? Oh, goodness gracious, my brain is all over the place. Crucifixions were, were public executions. I'm back, y'all. Very public executions. And generally speaking, the reason why many of them were crucified was in order to display to others what would happen to them if they committed the same crimes? What kind of crimes would require very public displays of execution? Generally speaking, they were crimes against the state. Crimes against the Roman Empire. You have to understand that Israel was a rambunctious, precocious people. They were a 
pain in the Roman butt. These people wanted to be free. They didn't want to be under Roman rule. They wanted to be their own nation and their own people. This was the promise of God. And many at the time would profess themselves to be prophets, claim themselves to be military leaders called by God who would liberate the children of Israel. And so for many of them, crucifixion was a badge of honor. This man was condemned, but he probably didn't feel bad about what he did. He probably killed a couple folks, you know, started a couple uprisings. We don't know much about the criminal. We don't know what he did. He may have just been a murderer. He could have been a, a rapist. He could have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we can go through the whole list. He could have committed some vicious, ugly, horrific crimes. No shame. No shame. He was condemned, but no shame. Evil, no shame. This is the consequence of the human heart. Is that the human heart wants to move on, but naturally we don't want to face the consequences of our sins. Scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death and that we all are deserving of death. Every single one of us. This soldier, not so sorry, this criminal stands before Jesus, hung on a cross. And rather than acknowledging his guilt, you would think at that moment, he would say, all right, I did wrong. I shouldn't be here, but I'm here because of my decisions. I made those decisions. Those are my consequences. But rather he says, free me. If you're the savior, Right? If you are the Christ, save us. Save yourself and us. I mean, if you're the Christ, if you're the Savior, if you're the Liberator, save us. Jesus wanted to do more than save you from death. He came so that you can have life eternally. He came to take the sins of the world. This man says, if you are the Christ, save us. But the other, he looks at him, he goes, bro, don't you even fear God? <clears throat> Two criminals facing the same condemnation facing the same consequence, death, two results. And one of them says, I deserve this. He doesn't. We all here deserve the cross. Every single one of us, we deserve the cross. 
I deserve it. I deserve death for what I've done. As much as we can say, well, I was a good person and, you know, just I, I'll do better. No, 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 no. Let's not talk about what we can do or will do or what the prospects of the life that we can be and the fact that we can be better people, but that, you know, inherently we're good people. This has nothing to do with us. One got it. The other one missed it. He got it. He acknowledged, I got what I deserve. And so he comes to Jesus, not asking to be delivered. He comes to Jesus saying, will you remember me? Will you, will you take me with you? Wherever you're going, will you remember me? I'm here with you and I want to remain with you. That's the paradigm shift. That is what salvation through faith looks like. Salvation through faith is not saying, God, take away the consequences of my sins. Salvation through faith says, I know I'm deserving of the consequences, but dwell with me. Remember me. And Jesus answers and says to them, says to him, assuredly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, he didn't say to him, when you start living right, you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say to him, when you get it all together, then you'll be in paradise. He didn't say to him, when you finally understand the tenets of the Christian faith, then you'll be with me in paradise. He did not say to him, when you finally get it together, I mean, because right now you, you're, you're in a bind right now. When you finally get it together, then you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, fix yourself. Correct your errors. Turn your life around. Then you will be with me in paradise. No, he took a criminal who was on a cross, was condemned with no hope at that point of any change in a life decision. And yet in that moment, Jesus said to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. This is the testament of the gospel for each and every one of us today. The testament of the gospel is that the work that God does is to bring us into union with him. The work of the gospel is for us to be in relationship with him. The work of the gospel is to experience heaven now. The message of the gospel is that Jesus paid the price for all our sins.
And what the privilege we have is, is when we have faith in him, we get to be with him. Salvation is not mercy. Salvation comes from grace. Mercy is when we say, Lord, I don't want to get what I deserve. Grace is I want to get what I don't deserve. And some of us, we come to Jesus asking for mercy. But he comes with grace. He comes with grace. And there are those of us right now who are, who find ourselves in a place of condemnation, sitting on a cross. Some of us have been publicly disgraced. For some of us, our sin is very public. For others, our sin is very private. And yet before the eyes of God, we know that he sees us. And for many of us, we've got to reorient our thinking and say, no, 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 I, I need to stop asking God, forgive me so I don't go to hell. <laughs> I need to ask the Lord to remember me so I can dine with him. The work of the cross was to bring us back into the presence of God. And many of us were still, we're not getting it yet. We just want to be forgiven. But God's like, no, I want to be with you. He wants to be with you, to dwell with you, to dine with you. So let's dwell with him today. Let's dwell with him today. The Holy Spirit does the work if we would just dwell. And many of us aren't dwelling enough. We want the benefits of Jesus, but do we want Jesus? We want, we want the benefits of salvation, but do we want salvation? Maybe our prayer today is, Lord, remember me. For those of us who are at the seat of condemnation, remember me. For those of us who are still dealing with the burden of what you've done in the past and saying, Lord, save me from that. Remember me. Remember. Put me back together. Remember me. When you're there, bring me there with you. Remember me. I want to dine with you. Your life changes when you want to dwell with him. Your life changes when you want to spend time with him. Your life profoundly changes when you say, Lord, remember me. That's where it happens. And he didn't say two years from now, 10 years from now, 
maybe in a couple weeks, you'll be with me. No, he said this day, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Some of you need that today. Some of you need that today. So let that be our prayer today. Remember me. And the confidence that we can have when we pray that prayer is we know the response. And even at the place of condemnation, even at your place of sin, even at the place where it's all been exposed, in that place, the Lord tells you, you will be with me in paradise. Father, remember us today. Now, those of us right now, Lord, that are combating shame, combating guilt and Shame has a way of making us run. But Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would give us the confidence, Lord, to know of your grace and your mercy. Lord, to know right now, Lord, that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So today, Lord, we come before you acknowledging our sin. We come acknowledging for the things that we've done, but we know that in you, there is no condemnation. So Father, I pray, Lord, that the law of the spirit of life that is in you, Father, let it set us free from the law of death, from the law of sin, so bless us today, Lord. Remind us today, Lord, that we need to reorient our hearts to ask for you to remember us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I will see you guys uh, tomorrow. We have uh, prayer on Discord. And of course, on Wednesday, we're going to be kicking off um we're going to be kicking off John, which is my favorite of the four Gospels. We'll be kicking off John. And so we are moving along, y'all. We are moving along. And uh, <clears throat> I will uh, see you guys tomorrow. See you guys on Wednesday. We'll keep going. And uh, if you haven't caught the Bible study yet on Patreon, I want to encourage you to go ahead and check it out. We're going to do more Q&As as well. Um, so if you are a patron and you have questions, just go to the Q&A text channel. Okay, and just ask your questions and we'll see how many of them we can knock out as we continue our Bible studies as well. Okay, um, and if you haven't joined our Discord yet, please, I encourage you to join our Discord community, discord.gg slash Opus Frere and Patreon is patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. I look forward to uh, connecting with you all. See you guys tomorrow. God bless you guys. Peace out.